Not all who wander are lost. And sometimes getting alone in the desert is just what it takes. Because this week, we're talking about getting past the mirages of who God is to so many others and seeing him for who he is to us. We're discussing what it's like to make an idol out of God. Now, I know that sounds controversial because it kind of is, but let's be honest. How many people do we know that are out there chasing this false version of God that either religious structures or other people or other systems have put in place instead of pursuing who he is to them and having an authentic relationship. This episode is a beautiful summary of what this podcast and what we're out to do really is about. So sit back, strap in, and maybe bring a canteen because we're about to take a journey into the desert. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the concepts. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 95. And this week, I know it's right before Christmas, but we're taking a break from our Christmas shenanigans. I'm sorry. We've talked all we're going to talk about Christmas this year, minus right now, because I'm still technically talking (laughs) about Christmas. I mean, I guess it's always about Jesus and sweet little baby Jesus in the manger and all that fun stuff. So this Kinda, and no, I can't really make it Christmassy, but we are talking about something that is uh, probably a really controversial sounding statement, especially but, around Christmas. Yes, but I think that this conversation is really interesting and really needs to be had, and I'm actually really, like quite excited about talking about it. And uh, that is just the idea of not making God into an idol. And that's just like, whoa, you know, the first commandment, have no other gods before me. The second one, do not make for yourself an idol. How can you make God an idol? I believe you can, in fact, commit idolatry with God, the very thing you're supposed to not commit idolatry toward. Or at least the toward. idea of God. Right. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. And so uh, buckle up because I think this is going to really challenge uh, I think a lot of our mentalities, because it's challenging mine. Before we get into that, just a couple of quick things. I just, or no, I guess not just, I'm about to have an episode drop. Sorry, trying to get my timelines right in my head. I'm about to have an episode drop if you're looking for Christmas and you're just like, oh man, I was really hoping that we're going to do some more Christmas stuff. Don't worry, because I have an entire episode on the jolly old St. Nicholas coming out over at Itinerant. Uh, Just a quick little teaser. Did you know that St. Nicholas punched a guy in the face on the Council of Nicaea because he was mad at him for not believing in the Trinity? Whoa. I feel like that goes down now, still. (laughs) Literally punched a dude in the nose. Okay, there's a whole lot I could go into there uh, with St. Nicholas because he's an interesting cat. But we'll uh, save that for itinerant. So make sure to go over to itinerant podcast.com or find me on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, it's there. 
and uh, go and click that uh, subscribe button. And uh, while you're there, click the subscribe button for this show too. And maybe go leave a review on both of those shows. Hey, and while you're there, Elaine just had a great festive (laughs) holiday survival guide come out over at The Prodigal Daughter. Elaine, tell tell us a little about that. Yeah, so I'm talking about, well, I guess talked last week about self-care and just different self-care practices that you can incorporate during the holidays and just how to make time for yourself in the busy season. So, And if you're wondering why we're fumbling over all these timelines so much, that is because we, as of the day this airs, are literally probably pulling into the driveway from a long trip in New York. So I'm only assuming it's going to be fantastic. We will keep you updated on all that New York has to bring. We'll be posting to social media and stuff. And so you probably already knew about that at the time of hearing this. But let's talk a little bit about uh, why we shouldn't make God an idol. This is going to be fun. All right. So I just want to open this up by reading the definition of idol. Uh, we haven't done definitions. Oh, Mm-mm. wow. We used to do definitions. I'm reminiscing. It was like a year ago whenever Sweet we little stopped, baby reckless right? pursuit when we used to do definitions for every episode. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Okay. Bringing it back around. An image or representation of a God used as an object of worship. All right. So how do you make God an idol? Elaine, you dropped this random like one-liner in the middle of me having a conversation. Explain to our listeners what made you drop this one-liner and what did I say so <laughs> I can try to reiterate it back uh, here and I can get my thoughts in order. Okay, so I know this is a very like at face value is a very like twisted and warped thing to say, but I was actually on Facebook. I feel like a lot of my conversations or about me being on social media. Maybe I should just stop being on social media. But then I wouldn't have any content. So I was on Facebook, and I was seeing a lot of people go back and forth about meditation and what Christian meditation versus, I guess, worldly, I don't really know, just normal meditation. Yeah, non-Christian, air quote, non-Christian meditation, what that looked like and and how you can, um, there is, some questions asked about like, well, how can you meditate and worship God and not get off track or not do do these new age practices and all Which we've already talked about in extensive detail. Yeah. And so I was just reading some of these comments and I was just like, wow, Christians are very fearful. There's a lot. And yes, I know people in general have fear. That's one of the biggest things that just drives our emotions and our choices and actions. But specifically with what I was reading, these were all Christians or at least self-proclaimed Christians. So I'm specifically talking about this. Right, Christians. Yeah. (laughs) So I just kind of realized that there's a lot of fear that Christians have of not going to hell or getting off track or upsetting God or sinning and all, all this stuff that I was just thinking, well, if you're focusing on God, then you can't mess up. You can't get off track. Like if you're meditating on God's word, if you're chasing after God, recklessly pursuing God, like, okay, so how are you sinning? But then I realized they're pursuing an idea of God or they're maybe not even realizing that it's a get out of hell free card or whatever you want to call it. There's just a lot of I guess, misunderstanding of who God's true character is. And I was just like, hey, I think we make an idol out of God sometimes. And then you told me 
that something along the lines of like, that's why a lot of uh, people who are pedophiles end up being pastors. I, I or love something. how that's what you got out of what I said, because that is not what I said at all. <laughs> that was what I heard, but I, I knew what you meant. So, Oh, we're playing a game of telephone here on air. <laughs> Okay, so what I actually said, and let me backtrack a little bit to preface why we even got into this. I was talking about how I really liked that idea, uh, and then we had a whole conversation with Siri about how it should become a memo, and she really botched it over and over and over again, and we lost track. Then we got back on track. But anyway, so the gist of what we were saying was, or what I was saying to you is like, I, I like that idea because if you want to get really spiritual and really like truthful here, Nothing is sinful until it's manipulated, right? Mm -hmm. But at the root of everything is truth. At the root of everything is God's creation, God's initial design. And there's corruption placed on top of that. But to say a practice like meditation, throwing air quotes here because that's what we were talking about, uh, to say a practice like meditation is sinful is, okay, sure, there may be method. Like people premeditate crimes all the time. People premeditate murder. People premeditate affairs and uh, like all these other things. Like you can premeditate or you can meditate on negative thoughts. You can do all these things. But uh, that that's a type of meditation. That's a corrupt version. But at the root of it, it's something God created to clear your mind, to focus on. I mean, you can do something like contemplative prayer where you're focusing on a scripture or a certain idea. It's one of my favorite ways to pray and to read the Bible, to find something and just allow it to sink in on a deeper level by repeating it, almost like a mantra or a, a slogan, if you will, or, over and over. I was going to say, or if you have like new age practices where you burn sage and then you're like, God, just like speak to me. Like, that's completely fine. Sure. And we can get into the whole thing of like, well, they used incense and stuff like that in, in the temples and all Like, that's tradition. Like, mm -hmm. that's... There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is by the mentality you use it up. So mm -hmm. like people being afraid of uh, meditation because the word is associated with new age practices. Well, you're manipulating, uh, you're, you're looking at a, a corrupt version of God's intent and all of these things, even the silencing of your mind. And actually a previous guest we had on Carl, uh, Carl forehand had been posting in that thread. And he said something really cool is like, well, uh, people were like, well, what if you clear your mind and it allows for negative thoughts? And Carl said it so beautifully. And I just want to give you a shout out. Hey, Carl, if you're listening, shout out to you. <laughs> uh, he said it so beautifully. He's like, well, if those thoughts are in you and they're surfacing because you're being quiet enough to hear them, wouldn't you want God to deal with those things? Wouldn't you want those to be brought up and when be you brought to, to clear light? your mind? And so like that was just like, oh, wow, that's profound. And so we were talking about how like everything originally was God's and it was like manipulating stuff but we have all these fears and then i said uh we were talking about like ministry and people think that like these ideas of god are going to fix their fears and that's where i was like that's uh so many people who are now like all this stuff coming up you know the conversation we just recently had with mary demuth about sexual abuse and especially sexual abuse in church you know all this stuff with the sbc all these different things are kind of coming to light right now well that's because a lot of ministers actually go into ministry because they're struggling with things and they're trying to get away from them. And how else can you run as far away from something as to run into ministry? But the thing is, if you're not dealing with it on a heart level, you're not dealing with it at all. And that's where the whole thing. So, Well, and I was going to say, that's where I start thinking of like the fear and all of this stuff making God an idol because you're not 
focusing on the goodness of God. You're not focusing on truly worshiping and connecting with God. You're focusing on, oh, I need to get this sin off me. And like, I just, right. all this bad stuff. I, I just need to get it out. I need to purge. Oh God, cleanse me of this because I don't want this. There's a true difference. Right. And some may argue, well, that's making an idol out of sin. The differentiator here is whenever you're looking to this version of God, not God, because obviously God can fix it. That mm -hmm. is the fix, right? God is the fix. But when you start looking at God as a system, you are, you are now worshiping an idolized version of divinity itself. Mm -hmm. You are no longer looking to God. You're looking at this. Uh, I mean, let's just be really honest. It's the difference in uh, actually getting alone with God or actually having a relationship with God versus having a relationship with a Renaissance painting of Jesus with his fingers and the weird contorted figure. Mm -hmm you know, with the brown beard and looks like a surfer dude. Like it's, you might as well be having a relationship with that picture because all you are worshiping at this point is a portrait painted by someone else. You are not connecting with who God is to you, how God is speaking to you, how God is speaking through you. You're neglecting all of that and you're focusing solely on other people's perspectives, other systems perspectives, all of this. And it's, it's to me, I feel whenever I see people making God an idol. Whenever people are chasing or whenever people are trying to run away from their sin, they're not focusing on the goodness of God and stuff. A lot of times it can be for show to prove to other people, hey, mm -hmm. I don't have this sin in my life. Like I'm good. Or you're trying to not be judged by other people because of whatever, instead of just being raw and real and saying, hey, I, I'm dealing with this emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, all, relationally, whatever, and actually dealing with the heart issue. I know people are tired of hearing the heart issue, but that's really what it comes down to. If you're putting on this facade of, hey, like I go to church, I lead church, I lead worship, I'm a pastor, but you're still dealing with these things, but nobody knows mm -hmm. you're like closet sinning then that's whenever you make the portrait of, look at me, I'm this great Christian, but you're hiding that real relationship that you mm -hmm. could be having with people, that you could be having with God, and that you could actually be having with yourself. Yeah, and I just want to, to kind of touch on a couple things you said there, one of which being uh, you said like your closet sinning. I just want to remind everyone, like when we say sinning, we're not talking about a single action. I believe that sin is, is first in your thoughts and always comes and stems from your thoughts before it ever comes to an action. So sin is a, is a, is a mentality. It is not an action in and of itself. The second thing that's really the thing I really want to focus on is you said like you're running from those old things. It is a very not wise idea, a very stupid idea to run from something. Um, I, I say that lovingly. I understand like, I just, just try to follow with the analogy. If you're driving in a car and you're constantly looking at the, in your rear view mirror, you're probably going to either have a wreck, run off the road, uh, end up on the wrong lane, heading the wrong direction. Like you get turned around super quick. Just think of it this way. Uh, this is a study. I don't remember all of this exactly. I think it's actually kind of mentioned in the movie Sahara just a little bit. But if you're always looking over your shoulder, if you're always looking over your shoulder, sooner or later, you're going to start drifting that direction and you're going to end up Long story short, right back where you started. When it goes back to like what you focus on, what you meditate right. on, that's what you become. You're so afraid of becoming this or you're so afraid of thinking these thoughts, but you're you're thinking to yourself, I can't think these things. And then those things just keep like you keep thinking about those things. Like, sure. 
Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like what you see becomes what you mm -hmm. think. What you think becomes it's what you say. What you say becomes what you do. What you do becomes who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a snowball effect or it's a U-turn effect or however you want to look at it. But what you were saying is like don't don't run from something. Well, the opposite is that run to something. Yeah. Chase after something. That is what we are. It's not the, uh, you know, the reckless retreat. It's the reckless pursuit, right? That's, that's the whole name of our show. You're pursuing something and you're doing it all out and you're not worried about all those little stumbles along the way because let me like let's just another analogy here if you are running full charge after something you're going to have little stumbles you're going to trip you're going to hit little snags because you're not focused on those little snags along the way until you're already past them the only time you focus on those little snags are once you've already made the adjustments and kept running because you're so focused on the direction you're going you don't give a crap about the little twigs or roots you just tripped over because you're just like, ah, I tripped. I got to get back up and keep running. And you're so not focused. If you get caught up of like, what if I hit another root? How did I hit that root? What if I hit this root again? And I'm not saying don't be contemplative. Don't take, I mean, guys, come on. But what I'm saying is like, you're so focused on the pursuit. There's no time to look back. There's no time to look and see like what you're running from. And that's what running to God is. It's a learning process along the way. It's making those micro adjustments along the way. But it's not stopping and contemplating and staring at the problem and trying to figure out all these different aspects. Oh, we need to tear this root. And it's nothing like that. It's just you keep moving and it's going to all fall in line. Now, that being said, kind of taking this whole back to this thing, what are you chasing after? Like, okay, we can be running from something. We can be running to something. You can also figure out what are you running to. If you're running to this pre-doctrinated establishment, like for instance, if you're running to the traditional American church, but something in your heart is saying like, really, I don't feel like this church. I'm not saying all church. I'm just I'm using this like proverbial made up church in my head right now. There's this church and like, that's what you're chasing after you're getting like, you know, air quotes here, spiritually fed as much as I hate that term. Like, we'll just use it for this analogy. You're going after that. That's what you're doing. You're going there, but something's not sitting right in your heart. You're like, man, this, this, there's something missing here or they're not, uh, you know, something that the pastor said or something you're realizing, like you're seeing some of these flaws. Maybe you're, I, you can almost start glossing over those things and saying, oh, well, yeah, but, and those yeah, but start building this false image of God, this uh, American dream God, where it's like, I'm going to have the nice little house in the corner with the white picket fence and the kids and like, you know, a boy and a girl and all this. And I'm not dogging on the American dream. Like I get all that, but you're neglecting like, oh, well, you know, this going back to a few episodes ago, when we were talking about love, God, love people oh, well, I'm neglecting looking into the eyes of my fellow man and seeing God. I haven't actually had an experience with God lately. I'm just going off of these notions. I'm painting this picture from other people's views. I mean, let's think about it. That's kind of what started Protestantism in the first place is we're like, hey, we don't want to look at these preconceived notions of God anymore. We want to see him for ourselves. And we can quite literally make an idol out of this false representation of God. Or let me kind of rephrase this here. You can make an idol out of someone else's version of God. That doesn't mean it's an idol to them because that's where they're at in their walk. Going to our episode last week about just talking, you know, dealing with family around the holidays and everything and trying to respect yourself, respect others, and respect God. You can very well make an idol out of someone else's depiction of God because to them, they're seeing God in their way. They're relaying it to you, but now what do you have? You have a secondhand encounter, and you're not seeing God for yourself. And that's where the whole idolatry comes from, is that you have 
this image, this skewed image or this false image of of who you think God is or what somebody else told you God was, but you never actually pursued that whole relationship side of actually knowing God's character and understanding that God is within you. Because if you truly, truly recognized that God is within you, you wouldn't be trying to run from all these problems or you wouldn't be afraid of getting off track or going into sin well, and I, I just want to add to that too. And sometimes it's not even running to or running to sin or running from sin. I want to add a little more, something that's like more relatable to me. And this, I, we've been mentioning it a little bit because this is just really what God's put on my heart lately. But whenever you start looking at like, I ran, I'm talking all full force into like hours upon hours of praying. I ran into fasting thinking that was the answer. I ran into serving my butt off trying to do everything, trying to be everyone's epitome of what a good little church boy should be because I thought that was what was getting me closer to God. But I made an idol out of serving, an idol out of prayer, an idol out of fasting, an idol out of all of these things. And I put that before my real relationship with God. Here's another twist to that. Whenever I was dealing with my mom, I made myself an idol she could look to because I was always relaying God to her, but I was getting in the way of her having a real relationship with herself, and that meant me getting out of the way and letting her crash. Sometimes that meant me getting out of the way and letting her having to deal with her own problems instead of trying to fix all of her problems for her because I quite literally became her idol. She started looking to me because I was showing her God, but I wasn't giving her the freedom, which is good to show someone God, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't giving her the freedom for... uh, her to figure out God for herself or her to see her expression or God to show himself to her. I was kind of like blocking that out. You know, I was the umbrella blocking the rays. So God, you know, didn't have the room to shine. All that to say is you can make an idol, honestly trying to pursue God. But the thing is, where's the spirit check? Does it give, does it bear good fruit? Is it feeling hollow? Does it bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, or is it bringing more works? more rituals, more of this, more of that. Right here lately, the big time I've been hearing God is honestly either in studying for my podcast because I'm researching or in my quiet time and meditative, contemplative, either contemplative where I'm reading over a scripture and just allowing it to sink in or just a silencing, centering prayer where I'm just like, God, you are my center. And I just want to kind of touch on that a little bit. It's like, hey, there's nothing like centering prayers or centering prayer or meditation, whatever you want to call it. It's a beautiful thing because quite literally, we are the we are the breath of God. He's in us. He's in our core. So we're just bringing ourselves back to that center, which is him. And I think that's where the key is. Anytime you're feeling like you're spiritually stale, anytime you're feeling like you're spiritually absent, then that's a good time to have those checks and say, hey, God, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing for a second. Let me just refocus. Let me take a week, a month, a year, a day, an hour, a minute, a moment to refocus because maybe I'm starting to make an idol out of how I do things towards you instead of actually pursuing you. And that's why I was really upset over the fear that these Christians were talking about the whole meditation practices because whenever you sit and meditate and actually really fully recognize that relationship that you have with God and get still and get quiet, whether it's over scripture or quiet time or journaling or whatever meditative method that you have, 
whenever you can sit down and focus, that's where you realize what your intentions are. That's mm -hmm. where you realize the motives that you have and the agendas and the reasoning behind why you are either running from something or chasing towards something. Yeah, and I love what you just said about motives because I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in the noise. Uh, church culture, it's so easy to get caught up in the noise, to get caught up in the worship service or what the pastor's saying today. Uh, for those of us who are on the outskirts who church isn't our thing anymore, it's easy to get caught up in the way uh, other people respond to us or the way, like, even these new ways we're reading the Bible, it's easy to get caught up in the idea of, like, oh, I have a new perspective or God's revealing something new to me and neglecting, hey, let me stop for a second and just do, a, I guess, like a soul check or a heart check or whatever you want to call it and be like, hey, God, what are you saying to me right now? What? Where am I making an idol out of my method? We can get so caught up in deconstructing what we've learned about God that we forget to actually pursue him. We can get so caught up in reading the Bible in a new way that we neglect the good things out of the old ways or where God's actually shining through in those old ways. We can get so caught up in trying to appease a certain system that we worship the system instead of God. We worship this false image of him instead of actually pursuing him. And that's where it's it takes those moments, and I'm just, I'm urging you, if I have to repeat it a few times, I just want to urge you, say the same thing a different way, to take those moments and authentically look over everything and saying, is everything I am doing right now, am I pursuing God? Or have I gotten off path? And when I say off path, I don't necessarily like, you know, to, to go back to the analogy, keep moving forward, but make sure your eyes are focused in the right place and someone hasn't, you know, kind of pulled the wool over your eyes. I don't know how you want to describe it. Someone hasn't put up a fake image in front or told you a wrong direction. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Someone hasn't given you the wrong directions. A lot of what that you're saying, just a thought kind of resonated with me is maybe that's why we see a lot of godless churches. Mm. Or maybe that's why a lot of people are walking away from church because they're not finding God, they're finding systems. Yeah, that's good. And we've, I mean, I, I, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I have spent more time in meetings talking about what system is going to bring in new people or what system, how many tweaks can you make to the worship service? How many tweaks can you make to the length of the sermons and the home groups and all this? And if we spent that much time invested in just seeking God, like, like we make it out to be something so much more complicated than it is. And pursuing God is such a simple thing, right? Like it's such a moment-to-moment a -moment simple thing. It's as simple as breathing. It's as second nature as breathing because it's literally who we are when we allow ourselves that freedom and we quit focusing on the snags and all the tears and the thorns that try to pull us back or whatever. It becomes so natural. And sure, times it's harder than others. Sometimes we have to do honest evaluations and figure out these big issues. But being honest, most of the time, it's these little things, just these little tweaks. It's not these big, radical, life-changing events. I'm sure at some point in our lives it was, but where we are in our spiritual journey now, that's normally not the case. And uh, it, it's normally these just tiny little tweaks to help things pursue Christ in a more thorough way. And I just, I think this whole thing sums up the meaning of our podcast so well. And I feel like that's a good thing to kind of come back to because we haven't discussed the meaning mm -hmm. of what we are and what we do. And just kind of going into Christmas, New Year and coming into 2020, like we're pursuing Christ recklessly. What does that mean? It literally means that we will push and pull and 
fight and tear down and break down and build up and construct and deconstruct and just literally travail and just as much as we have to do to push closer to God, to pursue God for who he is, not what someone else or something else or this lie or deception of what he is. And that's what rec- the reckless pursuit all is, is, is quite literally is. And I think that's something that we can all get behind. Mm-hmm. It's just that we are pursuing Christ and we do not care about the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, the consequences of people thinking you're a heretic, thinking you've backslidden, judgment, thinking criticism. you're out on a limb, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's that connection and relationship that you have with God. It doesn't matter what other people think of you, whether they think that you've backslidden or that you've 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 fallen back or and you're falling off the wagon if you got on off track. Or you're track. Out, out in the deep end. Let's yeah. that. But the thing is, God is in the deep end. God is waiting there with you deep and for and you. Wide, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like God is in the deep parts. God is in the deep end. He's in yeah, the deep wilderness. Calls unto deep. That's he's in the wilderness. He's in the desert. He's in the mountains. He's in the valleys. Like he's in your highs. He's in your lows. He's everywhere you're at. But I don't think that God is in the judgments of other people of where your journey is and well, where you're at on that journey. And something that's always been so beautiful to me, and we can wrap it up with this, you know, just looking at our group, just looking at our group nomads, the whole idea of being wanderers. Jesus was baptized into his ministry, had the Holy Ghost dove thing come down, voice from heaven, boom, all that. Uh, literally, you know, uh, John the Baptist, which was what Elijah reincarnated or whatever, uh, baptized them, all this stuff. This is my son in whom I well, I'm well pleased. Where did Jesus go? He disappears into the desert to get alone with God. He goes out and, and literally has to deal with his spiritual baggage. He has to deal with his demons. He has to face the devil, the this, this satanic mentality of all these things of like, hey, you're God. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. Like you're literally God or whatever the heaven you want to do. I guess whatever you, <laughs> you want to throw it. But like, and it's just like he's having to do, like you could throw yourself off this building. You could have the angels do this. and do, Like quite literally, uh, he's he went to the desert because that's where he's like, hey, I've got to retract and get my focus on my father without all these expectations, without all this other stuff. And I'm going to focus in on my father, on God, on my mother, on my, on the creator, whatever God is to you, focusing in. And sometimes it takes those dark, cold, dry, uncomfortable places. And I'm not using this like the churchy way. I'm saying like, it's good to go there. It's good to go where you're so spiritually dry you need Ezekiel to come along and like prophesy over your bones because you're just like parched. <laughs> like that's a good thing because from there, that's where God's like, all right, all that other stuff's out of the way. Now you're seeing me. You're not seeing a mirage anymore. Mm-hmm. And this brings me back to uh, David Hayward, the naked pastor, all of mm-hmm. his drawings of the black sheep. As, as you notice, Jesus is always with the black sheep, not all the white sheep that are poking fun and judgment being judgmental and criticizing the black sheep or the rainbow sheep even, Jesus is sitting with them and saying, okay, let's have this conversation. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, what do you think? What, uh, where where have you seen uh, a false image of God represented in your life? What, what have you done to break free of false images of God to pursue a real, real true relationship with God? We want to hear about it. Hit us up in nomads, a safe community for Christians to ask unsafe questions 
Also, guys, real quick, I don't know if y'all know this or not, Elaine and I have another uh, another gig where we actually make apparel, and we came out with a whole line of apparel specifically for the Reckless Pursuit. We are doing this. Uh, we do not make money off of this show, and we're not even looking to make money off of this show, uh, but that is another business we have, and if any of these key terms that kind of we talk about stand out to you, uh, we created some apparel, honestly, that just spoke to us and stuff that we're wanting to order too. And so we're like, hey, if we're going to make it and we're going to buy it, we're going to share it. So if that is something you're interested in, the links for that will be in the show notes. And you can uh, find that on the recklesspursuit.com. And uh, I think it's actually the recklesspursuit.com forward slash merch, or you can click it in the top right corner. And that does help support us a little bit as well. We love you guys. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll, we'll talk, talk soon. soon.